this morning we're talking about community, and, and John read it, but I'm going to read it again. Acts 2, beginning in verse 42. This is kind of a little picture, a little glimpse at the first church, kind of Jesus died and kind of commissioned the church to his, his apostles, the followers there in Jerusalem. And this is a picture at kind of how that life was in the early days. And it says in verse 42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It's an amazing little glimpse. That church was probably five to 10,000 people. So the first church ever in the Christian world was also the first mega church which is kind of a really interesting deal. Um, but what's amazing is that uh, th this is the level of community they're experiencing. This is kind of the baseline for community. And we get this picture of this amazing kind of fellowship that, sh fellowship that they've got going. And, um, and it's desirable. Like there's no one that can read that, see a picture of that fellowship and not in some sense go, wow, that's, that's really cool. Like, I, I want to be a part of something like that. My daughter came home Friday, and she's like, I joined a club at school. And I'm like, oh, really? When did this club start? She's like, well, it started today, like, by my middle daughter. And my older daughter's joining this club on recess where they put some rocks around, and that was their clubhouse. And I was like, wow, <laughs> this is really cool, you know. And, but she was so stoked about it. And I just thought, you know, it's amazing. We're joiners. God made us to be joiners, like, we want to join and be a part of community, of togetherness, of belonging. And when we read Acts, it's kind of that, that desire wells up within us. And we're like, man, we want to be that. Um, I gave my life to that picture um, in 97. I had given my life to Christ before that. But in 1997, my first year of grad school, it's on the 210 freeway, driving back from Pasadena on a Sunday night. And I felt like God says, yeah, you're supposed to start a church. And I was a pretty new believer, didn't know much of anything, and it was a really weird thought, because I'm kind of like, are you allowed to do that? You know, like, I mean, are you allowed to start? Is that like a cult? That sounds weird, you know, like, I, you know, and then I found out shortly thereafter that church planting is this whole kind of thing. I mean, I just assumed that every church I'd ever seen had just kind of always been there, but churches have beginnings, you know, um, and so I felt this call. Now, when we talk about calling it's an interesting thing. When I was a new Christian, like, people would talk about hearing from God, and, and it always confused me, and I'd get in my room, and I'd be like, really, like, how, you know, what's going to move my eardrum so that I can actually hear God's voice, and maybe if I listen, like, really, really, really well, like, I, maybe it's just really faint, you know, or, I mean, I, mean, I, I really wrestle with how do you hear God, you know, and because everyone talks about hearing God's voice, and, and you kind of, I think, take that literally. I took that literally, and then you're just like, what's going on? And, and then you have an experience one day, and you begin to understand, okay, that's what it is. Um, when we say that God talks to us, it's, it's an impression on us that's the same kind of impression that is made when we hear somebody else talking. Mainly, um, it is an idea or a thought that 
that originates from outside of us and impresses itself upon us. So when you talk, that, that, that idea doesn't arise within me. It arises without, outside of me, and my, my ear is just a tool in that kind of process. Well, when God speaks to us, he doesn't need to do anything with our ears. He just takes that idea and just tattoos it on us. And we have the same kind of thing like, wow, where did that come from? I mean, every single thought and idea I've ever had in my life came from inside of me. That one's different. You know, you know it's different because it doesn't fit the set. Does that make sense? And you can also tell because those things that God usually says usually involve you sacrificing and other people benefiting. Um, and so I, I had this cra- kind of crazy experience in 97. You're supposed to plant a church. It was clear, unmistakable. From that day on, that's what I was all about. Everyone that knew me knew it. People made fun of me, whatever. And I was just supposed to do that. In 2000, I met Tamara. And I, I kind of was like, hey, I got to do this. I don't know. It might fail, whatever. But I got I to gotta try. And she's like, great, let's do it. And so like, she married into that calling in some sense. And since 2000, we had been praying about coming to Bend, planting a church, and giving the rest of our lives to a community. It has dominated the last 12 years of my life. Interesting thing is when Antioch started, we, it was a lot easier to have kind of this really tight, amazing fellowship of like 35 people. And then the church grew to like 500, and the pastors kept having babies, and, and this tension arose between literally, you know, four or five pastors and, and 500 people. And if you just think about it, if 5% or 10% of the whole church emails us in a week, hey, I'm moving, do you think there's anyone that can help me? Hey, I need some help with this. Hey, can you refer me to this? Hey, I'm hurting. Can you come talk to me, pray with me, meet with me? I mean, just 10%, 5% of the church and growing families at home with these pastors, it just has, you know, pulled us to the kind of breaking point. And we began to realize, man, this organic thing called community, this authentic thing called community, is now this thing where we're just ridiculously uh, tired and worn out and just trying to keep up with and manage kind of this workflow. And now it becomes this transactional thing, and we can't put our heart into it because we're just exhausted, Right? And so we're kind of going, what's going on with that? And then we began to realize the church is also suffering. It's a real disservice to the church because the thing that was supposed to be easy and organic and and meet your needs and you've got baby showers and you've got this going on and you need meals because somebody's in the hospital and you're moving and you need help. These these easy things that should be just a phone call away um, become less and less for you, the church. And there's less and less of a connection. You just kind of end up coming and sitting. And so what we realized is this had kind of started sinking down to a baseline of community, not this amazing picture. And when we read Acts, it says they, they came and gathered like kind of we do on Sundays. But then they all went back home to each other's homes. And community wasn't something that happened with the apostles and the teaching and the gathering with five to 10,000 people community with those people came down to a personal level, a relational level um, of believers meeting in each other's homes. And we realized that as the church has grown, we haven't created a structure to facilitate that kind of interaction, that kind of community. And so for the last six months or so, we've been strategizing towards that end, and we've taken Brandon Reynolds, who's the associate pastor, uh, was the associate, we used to call Brandon the associate pastor, and we've moved him, and we've called him the community pastor. He's just all about community at Antioch. Meeting you, answering questions, helping you get plugged in, 
helping interact with lay leaders in the church that are going to have groups in their home, and that in those homes, those needs now get to be met. Does that make sense? And so this is kind of the culmination of that, and it's this exciting thing for us to say we're kind of putting a stake in the ground and declaring or committing that if any one thing is going to be true about Antioch from this day forward, it's that it's, it's going to have a rich, thriving sense of community. That we don't care how big we get or how small we get. We don't care about the programs. We don't care about a lot of things. We, we do. But regardless of those things, one thing's going to be true. We're going to guard it. Brandon's whole position is around it, that there's going to be community at this church. Um, it's what we all really are hungry for. Does that make sense? So I was going to kind of give this um, message today about community and found myself completely like off in left field like thinking about the industrial revolution and the transcendentalists with Thoreau and Emerson and it was just crazy cool stuff and, and I was like this is, I'm, I'm all the way out there and I kind of started feeling like that's not the conversation some cool stuff but it's not the conversation um, the conversation is is an ongoing living thing because we always have this as an ideal but we never quite live all the time at this. If we turn to Acts chapter 7, the same community started having like kind of all these problems because people are messy. There's no perfect church. If you find a perfect church, don't join it, you know, because you'll mess it up because you're not perfect. But it's always an ideal. We never fully hit it. Acts 7, the same church looks kind of messy. And what we got to realize is, is that it's, it's a conversation that we're all a part of with what it is we can do with these desires and, and this calling that God has given us to truly sacrifice for this interdependent kind of organism, this community, this family. And so it's, it's earthy. Does that make sense? It's conversational. So what I decided to do this morning is I've been in that conversation the last two weeks with two um, of our lay pastors, two of our volunteer pastors, John who uh, heads up the, the middle school group, and Matt, who heads up the college group, we've been talking about these ideas, and I started thinking, wouldn't it be fun just to let them come up and each kind of talk about it for a while? So it kind of just has this disjointed, raw, conversational feel. And I thought, yeah, it's a lot better than the Industrial Revolution. So what I'm going to do is bring John up now, and he's just going to share some thoughts. Matt's going to share some thoughts, and then I'm going to come back up um, after that, and we're going to tie it back together. So welcome, John. morning. I haven't been able to use a microphone like forever since I was like in high school and we did like assemblies and whatnot. So if I start to talk like this, bear with me. Um, what I do like and what I am excited about is being able to draw. So give me a second here. <clears throat> well, kind of what I want to talk about, like Ken said, I'm John Harris. Um, I'm the director of middle school here at Antioch Church. Um, 23 years old. Um, been a Christian for about three years now. Um, and what I, what I, when I came into Christianity, what I, what I desired most, like, was the people within the church. Uh, and what, what happened for me was, is I got these new ideas, this, like, this crazy new way I want to live, like, that's beyond me, that I don't really understand, I can't really comprehend, but there's all these cool people who, like, they're living radically and are willing to do all these crazy things, like, live this sacrificial life and, and, and are just, like, above, like, 
uh, the effects of this world. So I thought, you know, and, and so I joined this, this community of people, and, like, that excitement, just my heart just raced, like, hey, I'm going to be a part of this, this radical culture of people who lives for God. And, and the community, what, it, what the community is, what's important about the community is that our lives um, are not just about us, but they're about everybody else, and it's about God. And so what happens, or what started to happen for me was this, is what I saw. Give me a second. So you're really excited, and like, like as, we, as I said, as new Christians, if you can all think back to that moment, like when you first became a Christian, like the excitement you had, and then meeting all these people in the church, like just thrilled, and suddenly you start to realize this, that, that you're, you're broken, and the people around you, broken, um, and that in this community, like in your brokenness, you find other people that are they're feeling the same way, and, and like need the same things, and like desire more, and, and in that you unite, like we came together, and you know, you celebrate, and when you're a new Christian, like, people are there to answer questions for you, and just, like, on the ball, as far as, like, feeling, like, loved and invited and, like, pushed into this thing that's, um, that's really new and really scary. Like, it just, it just kind of is. And suddenly, <clears throat> what happens is this. About a year passes, you know? I've been a Christian for about a year, and a year passes, and this is what happens. And, and community stops being, stops being about everybody else. And it kind of stops being about God in, in a couple ways. And what I mean by that is this, is, is the, the intention, the original intention of community, you look at the early church, like these people were willing to die for this thing, for this Christ, for this God, for, for this sacrifice. These people were willing to just give it all, give it up. We're willing to just say, look, like who I am, what I am is, is, is void because of my brokenness, it's nothing. Without these other people, without God, like, I am nothing. In my brokenness, I find completeness in the community of God. Because we're all broken together. And how can, I mean, how can something become fixed if there's not a greater artist or, or, or something to put the pieces back together? So in that we unite, but eventually over time what happens is we start develop, developing preferences. And we start, the vulnerability that you had originally just kind of floats away, this pride like kind of sets in and says like, hey, like, I've been a Christian for a year now. I'm just as, you know, I got just as much going on for me as, as everybody else here. I don't really have to worry about this anymore. This community thing, ah, you know, okay. I guess it's cool to go hang out and talk about God once in a while. But truthfully, like this pride gets in our way. It puts this barricade between us and God. And what it says is, is look, here, you're broken. That's fine. But like, you can fix it. You can fix it. And the problem especially in, in my generation from what I'm seeing, is that I became a Christian and a year later, now suddenly I'm trying to fix my own problems. The community around me um, is there to support me, is there to love me, is there to become a part of my life, and I'm ignoring the possibilities. See, the people, the people of the original, like the, 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 the first churches were so courageous. Um, they were willing to die, like I said, they were willing to die for these things. They stepped out in their faith. If something needed to be created, if something needed to happen, that's what they would do. And, and sometimes in the conversations I've heard a lot in, in my generation is there's nothing for me. Or, you know, like, oh, I don't like that. Or, <laughs> you know, oh, well, you know, me and someone in the group don't get along, so, eh. And it stops being about God. It stops being about other people. There's this triangle that I really like. 
and what it is is <clears throat> is it's us, the community triangle is what I call it. And what it is is, is our, what's important is our relationship with God, our relationship with others. The part we forget is others' relationship with God. And so what it becomes is this triangle just becomes like a, a less than symbol, which is kind of funny because we're at this side of it. And we're less, like, in my mind, what I understand is that we're less important than those other two things. And what starts to happen with community is we, we step back and want to examine what's going on. We want to criticize what's going on. Rather than step in, be courageous, and try to change something. If you don't like it, or if it's not suiting you, it's what we do. is we just step back and we look at it and we have bad things to say about it. Or we compare it. I mean, as, as, a, as a Christian now in three years, like, I find myself like, competing <laughs> and not willing to be vulnerable anymore. You know, and these, these, these groups that we've set up in this church, this group that is this church, the reason why we collect, if you, if you do me a favor and turn to Ephesians really fast, Ephesians 4. <clears throat> Ephesians 4.14 Paul's talking to the young church at Ephesus. Um, <clears throat> some pretty crazy things are going on in Ephesus. There's this, this goddess Artemis that everyone's kind of like halfway following Jesus and then you know, halfway following this other, other God because they're scared of, of the commitment and the sacrifice. And Paul says, look, <clears throat> verse 14, as a result of the fil- like the f- like fulfilling of Christ, as a result of, of Christ, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful uh, scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is, who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by every joint, what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So what I'm talking about is, what Paul's talking about is this right here. God's original intention for community was this, to bring all these broken people together in order to create, in order to recreate, to fix, to mend, to heal, to love. For us to unite here in in truth. And this wall here, God's saying, I want to come through. This is where I need to be, right here. I mean, it's pretty obvious, pretty basic thing, but if you think about it, the simplicity of of unity, of community, when you first become a Christian, is exactly what we need to get back to. As we've lost it. As it's this place where we've just kind of dragged ourselves through the mud. Now we're standing here and, and wondering, like, why does anybody care about me? Or, you know, like, what, what is there for me to do? Where, what is there for me in this church? Or what is, like, <clears throat> what can I be a part of? And you're not, we're not willing, like, I, I don't see a willingness very, very often to jump out and say, you know, I'm broken. I'm, let's be vulnerable. Like, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I need help. Straight up. And I know everyone else does. And so in that, I'm going to have the confidence, and I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be encouraging. And I'm going to join. I'm going to find where I belong. And the only way to do that, guys, is by, by this right here, by realizing I'm broken. My opinion, my preferences, the things I want. I gotta put it aside for a moment to see 
that all the other people around me, the people sitting next to you, to your left, right, and front, and back of you, are just as broken and are in just as much need as we are. We try to put ourselves back together. You know, it's like a bunch of, a bunch of paints laying by a canvas trying to paint something by itself. You know, it just, it, it just doesn't work. And so my, my beg for us, like my, my thought thing I've been thinking about so, like, so much this last couple of weeks is just, let's get back. Let's take a second and just breathe and get back to the original purpose, the original intention. Paul says, look, every part of the body has a purpose. Every part of the body, every joint is held together when we're together. When we unite, every joint has its purpose and gives to the rest of the body. But when we're broken and we do not allow our brokenness, we don't share our brokenness, God can't enter here because we're not accepting the fact that that's all we need, that's what we need. And community becomes something about me rather than us. And me is included in us, very much so. But I just feel like what's been on my heart lately is taking a step forward rather than back, allowing yourself to be vulnerable again. Instead of, start, I mean, instead of continuing to push away when people ask, are you okay? <laughs> the typical response is, yeah. I mean, duh, I'm fine. I'm here at church on Sunday morning. So just, that's just my thought, is that I pray that we can, like, as, a, as, a, as a body, as a community, remember um, what it was like when you first experienced the community of this church, when you first sat down and were at home and you were excited and you were smiling and just like, wow. Like you get the, the, those butterflies of excitement. Like, let's get back to that feeling. Let's re-experience God the way it was intended to be re-experienced. Thank you. I'm going to call it Matt now. Yes. Uh, you guys all got this? Got it written down in your notes and all that kind of stuff? Um, we see, you can't work here and hold a microphone unless you like to draw on pads of paper. Um, one of the cool things that I get to do every week is I get to take John out to lunch and I get to sit there and eat Quiznos, $5 Quiznos sandwiches and uh, kind of listen to that kind of stuff um, and just kind of ask questions about, about that kind of stuff. Really cool conversations, really insightful kind of stuff. So. Just so you guys know, if you have kids who are little and they're going to grow up into a middle school ministry or you have kids in middle school ministry, they're in really good hands. Um, so I hope you guys just know that and you kind of get to see that this morning. Um, so thanks for sharing, man, and thanks for letting me take you out to lunch every week. Yeah, go ahead. That's cool. That's cool. We can, uh, we can encourage him. Uh, my name is Matt, and I get to do the college career ministry called Paradox here. And um, it's a lot easier to teach when you don't have to follow somebody because you're like, wow, there goes everything I wanted to say. Um, but here's kind of the basic concepts in the conversations that Ken and I have been having about community and the things that we've been talking about Friday nights with the people between like 18 and 30-ish, the whole kind of concept of community. Um, we really, I think, start 
the conversation about community thinking that it starts here. Uh, we think that this is what the number one thing that we begin the conversation. Community is what we want, community is what we need, community is what we are made for, so let's talk about community, let's make community happen. So really that's, that's the launching point that we go off with and we, we talk about it, we get there, we gather around a dinner table, we go out, we do something, we find common interest, all these kind of things, and then we get here and say, okay, now where do we go? What does it do? How is it tangible? How is it practical? What does it look like? Do, does it have to be structured? Does it have to be authentic? Does it have to be organic? Does it need rules? Does it need boundaries? When we start with community as the thing, I think we're starting in the wrong place. Um, community is not a beginning of something. Community is a result of something. And I think the thing that community is a result of, and the thing that we've been talking about a ton, is identity. Who you are. Who I am. Um, human flourishing. Who you are when you are most alive. Who you are when you are not living out an illusion. Who you are when you're not living out the expectations of your mom or your dad or your husband or your parents or your friends. When you're not living out the expectations of culture, of your, I mean, if we were all really our Facebook profiles, wow, uh, we'd be really different people. Um, everybody looks really, really cool on Facebook and on MySpace. And if I just had like a tenth of that life, I'd be happy. Um, so who we are at the core, in the heart of hearts, uh, kind of down where the, where the soul meets the bone of kind of, of who we are, our identity, who we really are. And when we begin with this, we end up with community. Community is a direct result of this. It, it, what I think community is a result of um, Jesus talks about in the Gospel of Mark, if you want to turn there, chapter 12, verse 30. He's asked a question. Um, the marker is not doing good. Mark 12, 30, a scribe comes up to Jesus and asks him, if you had to sum up all of the commandments, like all 615-ish commandments from the Old Testament, what would it be? What's the right answer to that question? And Jesus goes to um, two places in the Old Testament. The first one is Deuteronomy 4, 5 through 6. The second one is Leviticus 19, 18. It says the number one thing that you've got to do, that you've got to understand, is that this is about God. This is the most important thing he quotes from Deuteronomy when Moses comes back to the Israelites. He says, you've got to love God all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. That's where the conversation begins. That's where we have to start with what we're talking about here at Antioch. It's about you and God. Mostly it's about God. A little bit about you. Who you really are when you're connected to him in a real vibrant, authentic way. It's not some vicarious faith that you live through Ken or you live through Brandon or you live through me or you live through some guy on TV telling you what the Bible says, but a real connection, like a real authentic core connection to the core of God. That's the beginning, Jesus says, to love God. And then out of Leviticus 19, he says, now the second thing you've got to get if we're going to do this, if we're going to boil down the entire Bible is to love each it's to love your neighbor like you would love yourself. 
So it's interesting to me that he starts here with God. And ends up here with others. I don't think that's an accident. I don't think it's a mistake. I think what Jesus is saying is, look, if we're going to end up with the result of community, if we're going to end up being the kind of people that actually love each other, that actually look at each other like we would look at ourselves, that actually want and will and give the best to each other like we would want and will and give the best to ourselves, it says we have to start with something bigger, with something greater, with something that is beyond us. We have to start the conversation about community, the conversation about identity. Our connection to God is what creates our connection to each other. Now, I think the enemy of community is we have a desire, kind of down in there, to live independently from God and to live independently from each other. The enemy of the community that we are trying to create that we see in Scripture in Acts 2.42, the very enemy of that runs right through me, right through you. This desire that we hold on to that says, I, I can't quite get all the way committed here, and therefore I can't quite get all the way committed here, so conversation's busted. We're asking the wrong kinds of questions, we're expecting the wrong kind of things, and we're frustrated with the results because we're starting with community as the object instead of starting with us connecting with God, understanding. See, here's the, the identity thing. It comes down to me to love and to truth. Who you really are is not defined by me. It's defined by the fact that you are made in the image of God, as are all of us. We're created in the image of God with a reason, with a purpose, fashioned with a function to worship, to know God, to glorify God. And when we don't know that, when we live out our existence in some other delusional kind of mindset that it's about me, that it's about money, it's about comfort, it's about marriage, it's about kids, it's about education, whatever, even if they're really good things like worship and evangelism, when we take anything and put it in the place of this and define ourselves by it, if it's not this, we are going to be the enemy of ourselves. We're going to be the enemy of true community. And I think what we end up with, because we start here instead of here, is we end up with common interest groups, um, a bowling league. I love to bowl. I roll like a 62, 64 average. It's really fun to watch me bowl because I'm like nine feet tall. I'm really lanky, so it's just really awkward looking um, when I do it. But like a, like a bowling league, what, what, did, what does church look like? And what does a bowling league look like? What do they have in common? What do they don't have in common? One is a shared interest. We love to bowl. We love to get a long wooden lane, put up white things and roll balls at it. That's what we love to do. And if you love to do that and I love to do that, we'll get together and we'll do it together. We'll, we'll bowl often, frequently. It'll be fun. And we share that interest. We take that kind of idea, that kind of concept, oh, a church is just a room full of people who have a common interest. It's God, it's spirituality, it's worship, it's the Bible, it's truth, it's those kind of things. But if that is it, if that is it, when the rubber meets the road, when it gets hard, we're out. 
when it actually requires something of us, say, hey, you know what, I was just here to bowl a few lanes. I didn't want to start talking about all this hard stuff. I didn't want to actually give anything from myself, so I'm out. The difference between a bowling league and a church is common interest versus common sacrifice. Common interest versus common sacrifice. When Jesus is asked the question, how do we do this? How do we live this out? He says, look, you got to start in the right place. It's you and God, your heart, alive in his heart. Paul says in Colossians 3, your real life, who you really are, is hiding inside of Christ. If you want to know, if you want to look into a mirror and have it shine back, who you really are, Christ is the mirror. Your real name, your real identity, the real organic matter of who you are is wrapped up here. And when we don't start here, we're going to create communities of common interest, communities of proximity. We happen to be in the same place. We happen to like the same things. And Jesus is saying, no, look, if you begin here, your love for God, and um, John says this all throughout the epistle of 1 John, he says, if you begin here, you're going to get that to know God is to know love to know God is to know yourself. And when you know yourself, you can enter into a community completely. You don't come in fractured. You don't come in um, needy. You don't come in just grasping for people to fill that gap, to fill that hole for the people in your community to tell you who you are because you know exactly where that comes from. So when we begin here, we can enter into something that is, is real. We can go from common interest to common sacrifice. We can actually give our lives to each other. And that's the word I think of when I think of community, this whole thing is ownership. Ownership. Giving permission to the people around you to know you and to be known by you. And also on the other side of the coin, accepting permission to know people. So we have to allow people to know who we really are, and we have to accept and receive people and who they really are. And when Jesus answered this question, that's exactly what he's saying. If it begins with a love for God, it's going to develop into a love for others every time. That's how it works. So church is not a, a bowling league, common interest. It's, it's a body. It's an organism that shares life with each other, that owns the person next to you. This is what you go through, I go through. This is what Paul talks about in Galatians 6 too. Bear one another's burdens. Don't let your neighbor do this alone. Don't you try to do it alone. Don't let your desire for independent living sacrifice the concept of community. Own what your neighbor is doing. Let them own what you are doing and see this thing develop. And I think this is exactly what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. Every wedding I've ever been to, it's like 69 weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, to a married couple up at the altar before God. And I didn't know, I thought Paul wrote that for a wedding. And it's not true. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 13 to a church, to a group of people trying to figure out how to live life side by side, a group of people trying to figure out how do we keep God here and love him and be known by him so that we can offer ourselves to each other in a real uh, meaningful, lasting kind of way. 
1 Corinthians 13, to the church, love. Love, love, love. The common interest, great, but without love, it's, it's nothing. A bowling league, fantastic, but without love, you're throwing a ball at white pins. Church is, is great, is awesome. Your gifts of evangelism, of teaching, of prophesying are amazing. They're great, but without love, they're nothing. God's love for you, God's love for me, our identity that is hidden in him is the beginning of the conversation of community. Because if we don't have this, if we don't know God's love, God's truth, what do we love with? We love with ourselves. We love with what we want to love with. John said we take our preferences, we take our desires, and we love with those. And when they're not met, we bail. So if this is not the love that we love with, it's all about me. And if we don't have others, who do we love? Me. If you're not here living life next to me, if I'm not here living life next to you, then it's about me. And that's how we get it wrong. That's how we twist it up and make it about ourselves. That's, that's like my best gift. I'm really talented at that. Take something and make it about myself. We're all really good at that. Like, we didn't even want to be good at it. We don't practice. We're just good at it. So if we don't have this, it's about me. If I don't have this, it's about me. And what Jesus is saying in Mark 12, what Paul is screaming from the top of his lungs throughout the entire New Testament is, look, community is desirable. Community is good. We are meant to share life and to walk side by side with each other. But, but if you start with it, you're going to ruin it. But if you start with me, if you start with my word, if you start with my love, if you start with my truth, trust me, when you know how much I care about you, when you know who I am and what I'm doing, you're going to do the same exact thing for the people around you. We're going to see community begin to happen. But if that love is missing, if the love is missing, I think... I'm going to pack it up and just go bowling. You guys are welcome to come with me if that's what it comes down to. Does that make sense? Cool. Ken, it's up to you, man. If you don't get truth on the table, one of the things you learn when you're in conflict meetings, which you do a lot when you're a pastor, um, or any kind of anything like that, is if you don't get truth on the table, nothing really happens. You have to get truth on the table. Everybody has to be seeing the same thing if you're going to move forward and try and heal or fix or do anything. If you skirt around the issues, then everyone can hug on the way out, but nothing's really resolved. There's whatever. Here's the reality that I think we need to accept. That's a line. Um, this was community back in Jesus' day. This was good community. Here's where we are today. 
Um, the reason I wanted to go to kind of the Industrial Revolution and then walk into modernity and the media age and the information age is there's something really interesting that's gone on, and it's, it's the destruction of, of community as a part of our culture. It's been there since the beginning of the world all the way through till the modern era. Um, you live in one area, you grow up in one area, you have extended family in an area, you go to school with different age kids, you, you apprentice, you do all sorts of different things. And the Bible never tells us, here's the fascinating thing, the Bible never says be in community. It always says you need to have good community. It doesn't say that the apostles came up with an elaborate small group system so that everybody could be in community. When they had problems, they set up structures and whatnot for like um, distributing money and missions and things like that. They never had to address community because it was already a part of culture. Does that make sense? The Jewish culture of that day, they already met in homes. They already lived life together. They already were in community. Does that make sense? We are in an era where, I mean, you know, I mean, how in the world can I really spend time with any of you when American Idol's on two nights a week? Seriously. I gotta know, you know. And now that Paula Duell's not going to be on there, it just I, it takes a lot of the lust away. I wanted to know what she was going to say. If it was going to be goofy or not. Um, we do not live in community. We don't grow up in community. We move every which way. My dad was in the Navy. God bless him. He did a great job of taking care of me. But I, I know what the American life is like. You, three years and then you move and yada yada. And you're, it's not long-term overtime development of of tight-knit community. So here's the deal. There's, if you've ever thought about it, motivation is on an inverse scale with its goal. The, the further away you are from something, the, the less motivated you are, which seems backwards. The, the more out of shape you are, the more motivated, right, you should be to get in shape. Does that make sense? The further behind in school or college you were, I know this one by, by you know, first-person experience too. Like the further behind you are at, at Clemson in engineering and you're going to fail, the more motivated you should be, right? It doesn't work like that though. The more I get out of shape, the less I really want to work out. The further I fall behind in class, the less I really want to study. The closer we get to realizing our goals and we can see it, the more motivated we are. If you're swimming the English Channel, I mean the proverbial illustration here, um, it's being able to see the beaches that you're swimming for that really drives your motivation to finish strong. If you think you're still in the middle of the ocean and, and whatnot, you give up hope, you quit trying. Something we don't talk about often, but motivation is on an inverse, um, it's inverted, it's in, on an inverted scale. So here we are so far from Acts 2, yet like I said, we're all joiners. We read Acts 2, we all want it. So it looks greater and greater, and we have less and less motivation to try and um, actually do what's necessary to get there. So what does that lead to? It leads to a culture of criticism. I know it, again, because I've lived in it, and I'm a part of it. The last decade plus, we, we live here, we read here, and whatever 
community, kind of the center of it that we see, the center of gravity of whatever community, we just lob our grenades at it. We do. Because we, we don't really feel all that motivated to jump in and try and make it happen. Um, and then what we do is we also buttress ourselves by creating these pseudo-communities that allow us to even more criticize that. John, uh, Matt touched on this a little bit, but <coughs> intimacy with a few friends is not the same as community. Artists hanging out with artists, Xbox players hanging out with Xbox players, um, jocks hanging out with jocks, 20-somethings hanging out with 20-somethings is not community. It's intimate relationships. It's great. It's a part of what we were designed for. It's, it's fulfilling. It's satisfying. It's great. It's not community, though. Community, I used to teach this when I was a college pastor, is on an axis here of, of things. It's, it's the left arm and the right arm. It's every kind of personality type and weirdness and whatever along the spectrum. So you have all different kinds of people. Does that make sense? in a community. I mean, just look at your Thanksgiving gatherings. Are those the people you would choose to spend your time with? No, that's community. That's family, okay? It's also, it's also on this axis, it has to do with generations. When I was a college pastor, we had a lot of Biola, which is a big Christian kind of bubble. We had a lot of Biola students coming, and they would be like, yeah, Biola's my church. You're like, Really? So you're going to go on a missions trip through Biola. Sweet. Like, what lady that's not able to do missions anymore, like the grandma that, that loves to pray, has the gift of prayer, which one of those people is going to be praying for you when you leave? You deprive her of the ability to, to be a part of you going. And what little middle schooler is going to hear your story when you come back from your Biola missions trip um, about all the amazing things God did so that they can look at you and by positive peer pressure example, go, I want to grow up to be like John Harris. And so if you're treating Biola as your church, it's just a bunch of 20-somethings and nobody else benefits or is served by that other than you're doing what you desire to do. And not only that, like, this is a side note, but I'd be like, sweet, so you go down to like um, Huntington Beach and you're evangelizing and you talk to this guy and you're like um, sharing your faith and he's like, absolutely, I want, I want that relationship with Christ, you know, and, and you talk and you pray some more and the person's like, what's the first thing I should do? And you're like, well, you need to go find a church and, and um, the guy's like, great, I'll go to yours. Well, you can't really, it's Biola and, you know, I don't think you're going to get admitted. Um, you're a little too old. You don't look smart enough. Um, you probably should find a different church. See, church, like a community, was always supposed to be an open system. Open system as in anybody can be a part of this thing. It's a true community. And we got to understand really what a community is, not a pseudo-community. And when we have a pseudo-community, it's easy to lob things at the church because this is sticky and hard to do, and we're never going to fully arrive at it. There's always going to be problems. Um, but the reality is true community, we don't have it in this culture, and, and it's really hard to get motivated to get there. And the way to get there, interestingly, um, man, I'm going to say this really fast. Um, means and ends. Means and ends are always different, okay? 
if you're going to go to Lori Courtney, who works people out, um, to her house, like, to exercise, like, everyone in the office does it except for me and Justin because we have a different workout regimen, like 20 minutes of not working out. Um, <laughs> but everyone else brags about you go to Lori's house and it's going to do wonders for you, right? Your, your goal isn't working out and getting killed by Lori Courtney in her house. Your goal is health, right? This is the end, and the means by which you get there is working out in Lori Courtney's house. So this is the means, this is the end. Got it? They're always different things. So if the end is community, guess what the means is? It's not community, it's the thing that would create or build community. It's why when we're not really motivated, we're like, we never get started because we want community right away because we think that's what we're after, but what we should be after is the means, how that's going to come about, the, the thing that's going to lead to community. And the thing that it is, is, is really, I'll boil it down to two things and then I'll jump off here uh, and we're going to take the offering and, and special music. The thing it boils down to is the opposite of what got us here in the first place. This is individualism, a consumer culture. A consumer culture is all about you, the consumer. So the opposite of that is you being a contributor, where it's no longer all about you, but it's all about the collective or the community or something like that. So the way to reverse the trend is to say, it's not about me. And then you come to the table and say, what can I do to help make a difference? Instead of just criticizing it, let me begin to help fix it, like John was saying. Like, we all got to get back to um, looking in the mirror and, like, throwing stones at community is like looking in a mirror and all of a sudden you go, oh, the lack of community is me standing all the way over here, you know? I can't criticize community because community is me. Me being here, standing far back and wanting to criticize it, is part of the problem. Does that make sense? It'd be like taking yourself out with the gun, like if you're a gunner on a ship. It's, it, you can't shoot because you're the target at the same time. Um, so we have to become consumers, or contributors. We've got to be distributors. We've got to be anything but consumers. The reason Christ calls us to come and die is because the first step of everything good in Christianity is it's not about me. And so that's the first thing. The second thing, if you turn to Hebrews real quick, Hebrews chapter 10, and I'll read it if you if you don't want to turn there. Hebrews chapter 10 says this in verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promises faithful. And then in 24 it says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Habits are interesting things. You can talk about the habit of working out, um, or you can talk about the habit of not working out. You can, you can hit it on both sides and, and really be saying the same thing. Does that make sense? Um, the habit of, of working out, the habit of not working out, you can address it either way. We talk about the habit of church like the habit of going to church, like, am I going to really develop the habit to be in a small group? Am I going to really, whatever, that seems like excessive. Why would, I, why would I do that? Why would I commit once a week to doing these things? Did Jesus tell me to do that, or is the, are the pastors just telling me to do that, right? Like, we talk about this habit. What Paul talks about is um, this, being down here and unmotivated, 
like not working out, knowing that you should be in shape but not being in shape, this is a habit of not doing the things you would need to do to get to where you want to go. And he says, let's, let's not give up the habit of meet, meeting together. Let's not have the habit of not meeting. Let's, let's get it right and begin with our habit patterns because over time, that begins to shape what we just naturally do and it's not difficult. It's just a part of our pattern, our rhythm. It's, it's the organic thing we're all shooting for. Small groups at Antioch are not the ends. They're the means. It's a tool, it's a device. It might work, it might not. It might work for you, not work for you. You might join multiple groups. It might do it for a while and then whatever. You might join a group, realize it's not the right fit, and then go into a different group. Like, it's a tool. Don't think that we're saying that community groups, this means, is the be-all, end-all. But it's a great part of building the habit of meeting together, which is a part of ultimately arriving at this thing that isn't about us. We would never necessarily choose for its fun, but it's where we're going to truly live and find life. It's what God's plan was, his design. It's, it's where we're going to be fulfilled. Does that make sense? I mean, it's a lot of scribble with a, a burned out like marker. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, we really have to do what John was, or what Matt was doing there, which is we got to understand things from a Christ-centered perspective. We need Christ-centered preaching. Preaching that only works if Jesus and his grace is in the middle of it. If we get up here and preach and it works regardless of, of Jesus, regardless of God's grace, then that's just self-help stuff. Um, and so when we're talking about community, when we're talking about Antioch Church, when we're talking about where we want to go into the future, what the vision is, we have to have the idea of Christ in the center, God's grace in the center, the thing that makes it all work, that drives it all. We can't just talk about goals that we want to attain or things we want to reach for because other people are doing it or because it might help us. We want to just say, look, this is the way it's supposed to be. And if we really understand our relationship to God, we submit to that. We obey, we follow, and we begin to develop the habits that are going to get us where God wants us to be, where we're going to be the most fulfilled and satisfied. Let's pray as uh, the worship team's coming up. Father, uh, community is obviously your conversation. Um, it's, it's the original conversation. In the beginning, the Trinity creating man and creating him in your own image and having that relationship. Um, in some sense, community, in some sense, relationship, love, is what we were created for. And so this is a conversation that's forever old and will forever continue. And Father, we don't ask that we would be perfect. We don't ask that we'd be better than anyone else. We just ask that you would give us the grace, the knowledge, the, the desire, and the discipline to actually move in the direction that you would have us move, um, fight for community, do whatever we can to contribute to building something good rather than just lobbing grenades. And Father, um, may you do it with this church. May you do it with us. We pray that in Christ's name.